This episode is supported by Vegamore. I'm a month and a half into my Vegamore journey. I don't know if you've ever had a garden and planted seeds, but when that first little growth breaks ground, it's exciting. And on my very head, I can see some new growth in the areas that I've noticed hair thinning before. And it's exciting to see those little babies coming in. I use the shampoo, conditioner, and the grow serum, which have a lovely, mellow, warm citrus smell. I've been consistently using this and it makes my hair feel soft and full. And it's really important to me that I use safe and conscious products whenever I can. And Vegamore is 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash mind and use code mind at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash mind, code mind. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, I am joined by Jackie Werboff. She's a licensed mental health therapist in private practice. And like many therapists in this field of perinatal mental health, she began specializing herself after her own experience. And prior to that, she had specialized in mental health treatment of complex and developmental trauma. And now Jackie has earned her certification in perinatal mental health and specializes in working with mothers, birthing persons, and their family members. Jackie shares with us the medical and emotional experience that she had with COVID at two weeks postpartum and how that sparked undiagnosed depression and anxiety and intrusive thoughts. And you can imagine worry and fear. That was such a difficult time to be pregnant or have kids or be in any kind of vulnerable state where you are also then getting COVID. She also talks about how she had some symptoms return after returning to work from maternity leave. And then her experience of becoming pregnant again after her uh, initial experience going through perinatal mental health conditions and what that was like for her. And I think that's an important thing that she is talking about and kind of bringing up in people's thought process, because after you go through something really difficult, like depression or anxiety during pregnancy or postpartum, it's hard to imagine how you're going to get through pregnancy again. But what is also great is that when you know what's going on, that you can get the right help and set up things beforehand to prevent having a really, really bad postpartum. And so now we're going to hear from Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you for being with us. Hey, Dr. Kat. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful that you want to come on and share your story and, you know, what you've been through in the last handful of years and where it's brought you now. So yeah, wherever you're comfortable sharing your story, just start there. Yeah, sure. Really feels nice to 
have an opportunity to share and just want to say thank you to you and all of your former guests who have shared their story because it's been such a big part of my own healing journey. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. And happy to be adding to the collection of stories here. So yeah, I really want to share about my postpartum experience. And my first child, my son was born at the end of May in 2021. And we were having, at least in my area, I'm in Florida, we were having a bit of a COVID reemergence. I think we had kind of just, you know, got hit our year mark or so, a little over a year. And I think people were starting to want to live their lives more and engage more and the vaccine had become available. And right as my son was being born, especially right after my son was born, we just had this huge surge in our area. And my son and I ended up getting COVID when I was two weeks postpartum. And it was so, I think so much a part of, I think for me, it really was the spark for what would become completely undiagnosed postpartum depression and just major anxiety, intrusive thoughts, just a, a really, really challenging experience that I had and that my son had too. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. I mean, that's, during that time, anyways, from where I'm sitting, that was a huge fear. And to some extent, it still is a bit. But at that time, there was, we knew a little bit, but not a lot. Everything was kind of had been really scary. So when, how did you find out? Like, did you have symptoms? What, What was going on that? Yeah, two weeks postpartum, you figured that out? Yeah, for sure. So just to rewind a little bit, you know, just to speak to I had a really good pregnancy. I worked my whole pregnancy. I worked a day or two past my due date. And, you know, it was pretty uneventful in terms of, you know, I was lucky to not have anything too too much happen. And my birth, you know, his birth was, it was challenging, but it was what I wanted. I wanted to have an unmedicated birth and I was able to do that. And, you know, so all of that went as planned. And we... I gave birth in a hospital and I just felt I was very lucky. I had really good care. I felt like they respected everything I wanted, you know, so everything really was working in our favor in that way. And he was, you know, healthy and, you know, just uh, so lucky on all accounts. Everything was going well. And we had gotten home and my husband was, I think he had taken, I can't remember exactly a week or two off. It might've been two weeks actually that he was home with us and, we were doing well. He had just returned to work. It was one of his first days back to work. And at the time he was working 12 hour shifts in a healthcare setting. Uh-huh. So he was gone for like ever kind of okay. <laughs> during the day. And a couple of days in, I remember starting to feel, you know, these intense temperature changes in myself. And I thought it was normal hot flashes and cold flashes as is often hormonally kind of I don't know, sparked. So at first I thought it was just me kind of going through these like, you know, hormone shifts and stuff. I felt fine otherwise. And at one point I was home alone with my son and I took my temperature and I had like, I had like 105 degree fever. What? Yeah. It's alarming. I was shocked. I didn't feel that crappy yet. I just mm-hmm. felt really, really hot and then really, really cold and then really hot. So I was alarmed at my temperature. I couldn't believe that. I rechecked a few times. It remained consistent. And I reached out to my husband about it. And he was like, let's like keep an eye on that, obviously. And in the meantime, what we had found out was that a very close family member of ours who had been over to see us and to cook for us and to meet baby and to help 
what we had found out around this exact same time that I was registering these high fevers was that they had been hospitalized for COVID. Oh gosh. Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. So scary. Yeah. So scary. And so I had started to become a pretty worried that that's what was happening to me. And I reached out to my doctor's office, my midwife's office, and they had done some screening over the phone, kind of to rule out mastitis and things like that, I think. And, she, you know, the nurse recommended I go get a flu test and a COVID test. And I, so, you know, at this time we didn't have home tests yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing to just recall myself because things mm-hmm. feel so different now. We can just rapidly right. test anytime, but at this time you had to go somewhere and So, and it was hard. It was like, I had to like get an appointment and like kind of play, I had to plan. I couldn't just like leave the house and like go. I had to like wait for an appointment. And so I remember like, and I was starting to feel crappy at this point. I was starting to like feel more than just the like body aches and things like that were happening. And so my son, I remember my son had woken up from a nap and once he woke up, I got him in his, you know, I got him all ready and we drove to the urgent care and I tested positive for COVID and at this point, he had no symptoms yet at all. It was just me. So we got home that night and I still wasn't too bad off. It was still mostly just like fevers and I could function is my point. And so, you know, I try to, you know, I read, I of course go on the CDC website and try to read all the things about, mm-hmm. am I still allowed to breastfeed? And like, what do I do? And I followed all their recommendations. It was to wear a mask around baby and to continue breastfeeding. But, you know, I'd been unmasked around him for right. you know, all this time. Mm-hmm. So I'm asked, my husband and I tried to keep distance, but I moved to a different bedroom, things like mm-hmm. that. And I think he went back to work. You know, he tested negative. He got tested too. He was negative. I think he went back to work at some point throughout the early few days. And I just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was remarkable because I mean, I had pretty much all of the textbook symptoms on high, like Mm -hmm. my fevers, I cycled Mm -hmm. through these intense fevers just all day long. Like that was the thing I remember the most, Mm -hmm. just these intense body experiences of freezing cold, burning hot and cycling through every few hours. Oh gosh. But, and the body, the, yeah, it was. And so basically my life became kind of overnight. My life became like timing when I could take the next like whether it was ibuprofen or acetaminophen, it was like every four hours, like that's what I lived for. I lived for like the tiny relief that that could offer me, but I just kept getting worse. And a really interesting occur- thing occurred where I I haven't really seen this, like I haven't heard of this as a symptom of COVID necessarily, but I certainly had it. It wasn't just food that I couldn't really tolerate or taste. I couldn't tolerate even water, which is very strange because I... I'm a huge fan of water all the time. (laughs) And I would try, I would try so hard to drink water. And I just, like, I couldn't tolerate it. It's the strangest thing to describe. It was like a major aversion. Wow. And so between- Like when you need it the most. Yeah, when I need it the most. And of course, I I was breastfeeding. And so I experienced, and I'm sure this affected my mood significantly because I experienced over the course of a few days, this like- rapid decline in milk production. I mean, I went from like, yeah, I went from like feeding my son all day and pumping to create like a reserve to hardly getting anything at all out at all. And it was, it was really heartbreaking because I enjoyed breastfeeding and I wanted to continue. And it kind of felt like, you know, the, in these first, the first week or so, like each day that came, there was like another level of like 
worst case scenario. Like at a certain point I, you know, was like, I really, as long as I can keep breastfeeding. And then my milk was like gone. Like it was like gone. And I was like power pumping. And I was, you know, I was still putting him, you know, on my breasts. And like, we went through my frozen milk stash, like in a couple days, all the while I'm like rapidly declining just in my capacities. Like it was a few days in where like, I really couldn't parent him anymore. My husband had to take like significant time off of work. Mm. He ended up filing for like short-term disability to take care of our baby. And so I was just really in this like weird, like just out of sort of body state for a long time, just feeling really not okay. And then one night, you know, we were in like major sleep deprivation too. My son was waking up, you know, every few hours. And one night I had gotten up with him you know, masked, hand sanitized, all the things. And I'm sitting there um, trying to f- nurse him or feed him or give him a bottle. Cause at one point we had to switch to formula cause I just wasn't producing anymore. And that was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. And um, this is still like how yeah. many weeks postpartum? Yeah. Just, this is probably like, yeah, probably three, like three weeks postpartum yeah. at this point, so this something like, like that. Super quickly. Everything super changed. Quick. everything changed like super quick and my yeah and my mood I mean I was just like in this really dark place I mean I couldn't take care of my baby I couldn't really even feel okay in my body I was like isolated in this bedroom I mean and I was feeding him one night in the middle of the night trying to you know whatever whether it was a bottle or whatever I was doing and I remember I kept trying to avoid this being true but I noticed that I was having trouble breathing and I knew that that was like I knew that was like the hospital moment at this point, I'd already been to urgent care. Like I had tried some things that of course doctors were hesitant to prescribe me because I was breastfeeding and I had tried some things to deal with some of the symptoms. I don't think anyone, including myself, realized how severe my symptoms were becoming. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't realize it until I was noticing and trying to avoid the noticing yeah. that I was having trouble catching my breath. And so at that point I woke my husband up and he worked in healthcare. I mean, he was on top of it. He was constantly asking me about my symptoms and if I could breathe and things that was on his radar. And the last thing I wanted, so like each day was like another level of worst case scenario. And then like the very last thing I wanted was to be separated from my son. Like, like I was so terrified of having to be, to leave him like Mm -hmm. for hospitalization, for example, I was so scared of that all the while having pretty much an impossible time, like caring for him. Of I mean, course. He, yeah. How could he you was, yeah. Anything like you're, I, mean, I assume you're by yeah. this time, like dehydrated also. I'm super dehydrated. I can't eat. I can't drink water. And emotionally speaking, I'm like deteriorating because I'm super isolated and I'm starting to have a really difficult time tolerating my son's fussiness. And yeah, we didn't know this at the time. We learned later that he also had COVID this whole time, but he was definitely not feeling well. And so he was not sleep. I mean, newborns, of course, sleep inconsistently anyway, but he was sleeping so poorly. He would sleep for a half an hour and then he'd wake up. And so our sleep was so interrupted too. Mm-hmm. And I was finding myself getting like scary reactions in my mind about yep. my son. Like couldn't soothe him. He wouldn't calm down. And like, just, there were these nights where like, I'd be alone in the room with him, like wanting to scream, wanting to just like, I mean, these, so the intrusive thoughts actually started then Mm -hmm. I realized later, like the intrusive images and thoughts and urges began actually then. 
And so everything was just so hard. Like it was just so difficult. And I don't think anyone realized how severe my physical symptoms or my emotional symptoms were. And so I woke my husband up at like, you know, 3am or something and told him like, I'm having trouble breathing. I think we need to go to the hospital. And that was the scariest. I mean, I was so scared to say that because I did not want to be separated from them, even though I was like having the most impossible time anyway. And so we go to the hospital, you know, they do the, take me in. They say they want to admit me. So the family member of their like assessment, they can see right away that you need a lot of support. This episode is supported by Factor. Eating better is better with ready to eat Factor meals. And ready to eat means pop it in the microwave for two minutes and done. I mix in a few of these meals into my rotation for the days that we're on the run or that I don't want to make anything. I chose the high protein and calorie smart options, one of which is the mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice with garlic roasted green beans. This is restaurant quality and so tasty. I can adjust how many meals I get in my order as much or as little as I need every week. Plus, I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime, which comes in really handy for our busy schedule. Head to factormeals.com slash momandmind50 and use code momandmind50 to get 50% off. That's code momandmind50 at factormeals.com slash momandmind50 to get 50% off. This episode is supported by Ritual. I am by nature and nurture a bit skeptical. I have to see for myself if something works or if it's helpful before I just believe it whole cloth. And I'm open to trying things out to see for myself. And that includes finding strategies for my wellness. I have a historically low vitamin D, so it's important for me to take Ritual's Essential 18 because it has D3 in it. And their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has several other high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. What I love and have always loved about Ritual is that it's a female-founded company, and it's a B Corp, which means they're holding themselves accountable, and not just long-term, but also to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash momandmind. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mom and mind for 25% off. Right away. Yeah, they did like, a, um, I don't remember if it was like an EKG or something on my chest or I can't remember what it was, but um, they could tell my lungs were like not okay. And so, you know, I was having more and more trouble breathing at that point. And they, yeah, they they admitted me. It was my biggest fear. I was terrified. My husband left with our son. And I just, I mean, I was so devastated. Um, right. I was okay, so devastated. Right. Cause at that point, n- nobody was allowed in. No, that it's just no. you. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, me. Horrible. Yeah. It was really, really scary. It was really terrifying. So I get admitted and it, the weirdest thing too, I mean, three weeks prior I had been there having, giving birth to him, like same hospital. And like, I think I was even in the same room, just one floor above. Like it was the strangest experience. Like it was so weird. The room was the same layout. Like it was so weird. Mm-hmm. And basically I was there for three days, which thank goodness it wasn't longer. I thought I'd be there longer. I think they, I think the doctors thought I'd be there longer too, but I had IV antibiotics and I had 
you know, they gave me steroids, which helped right away, open my lungs up. Mm-hmm. And my entire life became <laughs> watching the camera at home to like keep an eye on my son and like just feel, try to feel connected to him. I felt so disconnected yeah. and power pumping because I was determined. I was determined to get my milk back if I possibly could trying to drink water, trying to eat food. Like my whole life basically for those three days became like, I just have to like, I have to get better. Like I have to do these things. I did improve quickly with the medications they gave me, which thank goodness. And they let me go home, I think earlier than they might have otherwise, because they knew, oh gosh. I mean, I was an emotional wreck too. I was sobbing. While I was in the hospital, we learned that my son had COVID. Like we, my husband had test, was able to obtain a, actually a rapid test from his employer Mm -hmm. that he was able to do at home on my son. Mm -hmm. And he tested positive. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was just like so hard. My husband was having a really hard time at this point with his level of sleep deprivation and fear. Still nobody could come and help any of you because of COVID. Exactly. There was like no help available. Mm-hmm. It was a really dark time. And um, something interesting happened for me though, among all of the challenge that that was, being away from my son as deeply painful as it was, actually offered this really important perspective that I'm very grateful for because I was having this really hard time with him at home, you know, mm-hmm. trying to parent him and he wasn't feeling well and he was fussy and none of the things that were working in the first two weeks worked anymore. Like, mm-hmm. None of the soothing techniques, none of, he wasn't, he was sleeping, I mean, not at all. He would be awake for like, and again, at like three weeks postpartum, at three weeks old, he'd be awake for like six hours at a time, eight hours at a time, like these crazy stretches that were like concerning for his safety, really. I was so worried about everything. And so I was having this really hard time being with him before I was hospitalized. Like I had these thoughts of like, I think we have to give him up for adoption. I don't think I can like parent him, like- how, you know, I just these very defeating like beliefs and thoughts of like my inability to do this. Mm-hmm. That was real. I was really living with that for a while there. And that was horrible. And so being away from him, it was almost like I snapped, I don't want to say snapped out of it because like I would shift in and out of that later. Yeah. But it gave me almost this like all I want is to be with him, regardless mm-hmm. of like whether mm-hmm. he sleeps or not whether I can soothe him or not, like, I don't even care anymore. I just need to be near him. And Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that because that was really important to me to be able to get to that place, even in this hard way. Yeah. It's something to hold on to. It's motivating for sure. Cause you have to figure out how to take, I mean, get out of the hospital and yeah, get back home, Mm -hmm. get back home for sure. I thought you need something to hold on to in such dark times. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got home and um, I was really motivated to get my breast milk back still, which was non-existent pretty much. And I really wanted to breastfeed him again. And of course they discharged me with all these medications that I had been taking medications that were not safe for breastfeeding. And they discharged me with follow-up medications. And I was very clear with the doctor. I said, I I want to keep breastfeeding. I don't want to take anything that is going to keep me from being able to continue doing that with him after a few days. Um, and so I made the choice to not continue with some of the things, which I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I wanted to continue breastfeeding. So for a few days, I waited the length of time for the stuff I had taken in the hospital to clear my system while continuing to try power pumping and really getting like minimal results, like nothing. Mm-hmm. My son continued with formula. 
Oh, thank goodness. My sister-in-law was still, she was still pumping. She had a, a one and a half year old at the time and she was still, she was still breastfeeding and pumping. And she was so kind so that she gave us some milk. And so he did have breast milk and formula both. Mm-hmm. He always had breast milk the whole mm-hmm. time, which was such awesome. a gift. Yeah. That was really, really wonderful of her. That was like a, a relief for me because of course, thank goodness for formula. And I really wanted him. He was so sick. He needed antibodies. He needed he needed as much help as he could get. So I got home and I am feeling better. I can breathe. And I'm so happy to like be able to be around my son and to not have to wear a mask anymore. My husband never got COVID, which is remarkable. I think because he, I can only imagine he had been vaccinated at that point and we, Mm -hmm. I had not yet. And that's my guess, my best guess, but he never got sick. Thank goodness. I don't know what would have happened if (laughs) that had occurred. I have no idea, but I continue to struggle. So now at this point, I'm probably like four weeks postpartum. Mm. And for the next month or so, my son, my husband continued to have time off of work. He took a month off from when I first started to not be able to parent. I continue to struggle significantly with my mental health and the hormones and all of it. I still felt really crummy, like the brain fog from COVID that people talk about. That was really real. That was really, really real. I couldn't even think about, there was like the simplest things like opening an app on my phone felt too complicated. Um, You know, like things that are just so easy to do. The brain fog was like so intense. And emotionally, I just, I felt so down. I felt so depressed. I felt so like disconnected and sad and also so anxious. I started to have different intrusive thoughts like, we have, you know, we have two floors in our house. So I started to have the thoughts about, and I didn't know what these were at the time either. I had no clue what was happening to me. I just thought, <laughs> I just thought I was a, you know, bad mom or like, you know, going crazy or, you know, all the things, right. That we hear. So I had thoughts about him falling, me falling down the stairs with him or me dropping him down the stairs. I had thoughts about, I tried doing a lot of like smoothies after I got home, really trying to like hydrate and stuff. And I had these crazy thoughts of like, him being in the blender when I turned it on, which, mm-hmm. you know, just, just intrusive. And so that was really difficult. And I didn't know how to tell anybody about that. Like that right. just felt terrifying, very scary. So I just sort of lived with that. And he, oh gosh, so his symptoms continued on. His symptoms were like a very, a fever that was just below the hospitalization threshold. So thankfully we never had to take him to the hospital, but I was really scared of that. We almost did a couple of nights. It was right there at the edge. He, you could tell he was uncomfortable. You know, he couldn't sleep. So there's at this point still no, there's not enough that anyone could do to soothe him, to ease him into kind of regular sleep. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And that got really tough for us. I started taking these, like, I was in touch with the lactation consultants about my milk and really like, I was starting to feel really like defeated. I felt like I'm just, my breastfeeding journey is over. Um, I continued power pumping. I was pretty determined and I had started taking these like milk, like these herbal supplements, like the fenugreek stuff. And Mm -hmm. it was looking pretty dire for a while. We had been in touch with a with a sleep consultant for our son because his sleep was so off the charts of what could have been considered regular. He was having these huge wake windows that like had to be bad for his brain and his body and there was nothing we could do. And so there was one day where the stars just aligned. Things just like got better. It was just like one day 
he slept for like a normal nap. And then I like pumped like a total of three ounces that day. And like, you know, I felt a little bit better that like, it was like this one day where there was just this like moment of hope. And it was like, okay, like, I think we're going to be okay. Like, I think we could be okay here. Like his sleep is getting a little bit better. And like, here comes a little more milk and like little by little, like I think, thank goodness was, was able to, I mean, you know, I had come to terms with the fact that he might just have to be on formula. If I couldn't get my milk back, I had made peace with that. And I wanted to try everything possible and I was able to do it, which I'm, you know, grateful for beyond words. Very grateful. I mean, you, and you were up against quite a bit and there's a lot that interferes with, yeah, uh, with being able to produce milk. And some of that is dehydration, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sleep deprivation and stress. And I don't know uh, personally how COVID impacts those things like on its own at, let's say as if everything else is okay, what does COVID do? Right. Right. Maybe somebody knows, but I don't. Yeah. So there's these like so many factors that you're working against. Um, Yeah, for sure. And with little to no help. I mean, other than you and your husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So this is like Uh, that. At about how many weeks was he when things started to feel a little better? I want to say he was around six weeks old when things started to feel a little bit better. Let's say like a solid month of just yeah horribleness. Yeah, I would say that's a fair time I frame. Yeah, that's a word, but <laughs> horribleness is what. And I mean, you were talking about all like these worst case scenarios yeah. continuing yeah. to happen, and mm-hmm. so of course your anxiety is going to go. Th- through mm-hmm. the roof when things are already uncertain and then yeah. more of these yeah. things continue to happen. And while things are so fragile, you are and vulnerable. He is. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know how it registers for you. I mean, obviously in terms of like mental health, this was horrible. And you I mentioned before, you didn't quite know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you didn't have the fog of COVID, if it would have been any more clear, but a lot of people don't know what's going on. Right. Because so much is happening during this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. This episode is supported by Hungry Root. I am a creature of habit when it comes to food. Like I buy the same stuff in the store and generally make the same stuff over and over. Not really that fun. So in order to shake things up, I use Hungry Root. I can pick a whole meal and they send me what I need to make it, but I will also just let them choose so I don't get into my rut. And it paid off. I got the chicken shawarma non-flatbread. These are flavors that I wouldn't have thought to put together on my own, and they totally work. It was so yummy and so easy to make. And bonus, I also received for free organic roasted chicken breast that I threw into a salad for another meal. Hungry Root is my partner in healthy and yummy living. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Mom and Mind listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash cat to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash cat. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. And for a limited time, my listeners get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code MIND when you check out at oneskin.co. Well, I've kept up my mini resolution of taking better care of my skin after consistently using OneSkin for several weeks and all is going well. 
I can't see what's going on at a cellular level, but I can tell you that my skin feels soft and healthy. But they did do some cool research that looked at before and after exposure of the OS1 peptide to skin cells. And the one skin scientist found that the peptide reverses skin's biological age. And you can even see that study by Zonari A. et al. in the NPJ Aging Journal. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code MIND at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code MIND. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. New year, healthier skin. That's one skin. As a therapist, mm-hmm. we're experiencing all of these things and also didn't quite know what was going on. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Can you say more about that? What that was? I mean, now yeah. after the fact, I guess what that was like for you. In hindsight, yeah, I have so much more perspective now. At the time, it was nothing that made any sense. It was just so confusing. I felt really, really ashamed. I mean, the depth of shame that I experienced from my own inability. I mean, there was a true lack of ability for a while to really parent. I mean, that was real. That wasn't just perceived. That was like very real based on my symptoms and my, you know, but then just like, just the amount of shame of just like, And I don't really believe this, but like at the time, you know, like I'm supposed to be this like helping professional therapist person and I can't even get my own, like, I can't even get my own shit together. I can't even like feel okay, you know, about anything. And so there was just so much shame around it too. I was very worried, especially with the intrusive thoughts. I was very worried that I was going to... And this logically makes no sense, but I was worried I was going to like lose my license, my like mm-hmm. my therapy, you know, my I was going to like lose my like license to practice therapy. If I told somebody about that, mm-hmm. I was worried I would be hospitalized for, you know, psychiatric care. I was very worried about something like that happening if I were to tell anybody anything. Right. Okay. So that's a whole other layer to this. It's all of this is happening internally. Did you, your husband know, or did you keep that also from him? he knew that I was struggling. Like he could tell I definitely was not like putting on a happy face for him. He knew I was struggling. He knew I was not myself. Once he had to go back to work, which I did, I was capable of, of caring for our son when he went back to work. I, I will, that was, he didn't go back too soon in terms of that. I was still struggling emotionally though, when he went back to work and he would ask me things that I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he asked these things. I'm grateful he knew to ask these things. He would say like, do you think you want to hurt yourself? Do you think you want to hurt as our son's name? Like, you know, like he would ask me these things, you know, like and my answer was no. And that was true. That was a true answer. I didn't want to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. but I felt so low that, you know, it sort of just like passively, like if I wasn't here anymore, that would be relief. You know, I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt anymore. So, you know, I, I never ended up in the realm of like suicidal plan or, or active suicidal thoughts, but he knew I was like emotionally struggling to the point where he would ask me those questions. Yeah. He checked in with me all day long once That's he went great. back to work mm-hmm. and he was like great. on the camera all the time checking on us. I mean, I, I feel like I had great support from him. Truly. I just was struggling so hard. Yeah. Especially when it feels the, I mean, the concern is that you'll lose more if you say, yeah, 
Yeah, we've already totally. sort of lost quite a bit in yeah. terms of that time and the experience yeah. you wanted. And I mean, I'm putting mm-hmm. what my assumptions are on this. No, all true. How it felt to you. Um, all true. But, yes. Right. And this is not mm-hmm. how you were picturing this going. Not at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And so I did have three months off from full-time work. I got back into part-time very, very minimally. I kind of slowly went back into seeing some of my private practice clients, but I didn't go back to my full-time treatment center job until three months postpartum. And so I did have, I mean, I did have like at least like a month there where I felt like I could like enjoy and like I was kind of back to myself and Mm. I was able to engage with others. And I felt like I actually had, like, I really got to develop this bond with my son and we were doing things together. It felt good. And then I would say about a a month or so, my last month of, of maternity leave was that, and it was really nice. And then I went back to work full time. And so that was like, you know, 40 hours a week kind of deal. And he was in daycare and that was like, I thought I was better. And I, that was when more of the rage, that was when the rage came. Mm. So (laughs) I was so, I think I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed. I was so emotionally fragile still and so overwhelmed. And I go back to work to this, you know, very meaningful, but very intense treatment center. And then, you know, so all day long, I feel like I'm kind of giving more of myself than I can at work. Yep. And then I come come home to my baby who's been at daycare all day. And all I want to do is be there with him and take care of him. And then, you know, he goes to sleep and then we have to make, you know, all the things we got to make the bottles for the next day. And I'm yep. pumping all day long. And like, I started to really have trouble with my husband at this time. This is when we really started to have some, <laughs> I started to have some major issues. Everything he did was bothering me. I felt he was very dismissive of me. It's weird because he was so supportive in these ways when I was really not okay. And then I go back to work and I just feel like I can't handle it. Like it was thoroughly overwhelming. Plus, you know, we're still waking up like multiple times a night and it was so hard. I mean, I remember waking up like things that are no big deal, like feeding the animals in the morning. You know, we've got like several different kinds of animals (laughs) and like feeding the animals in the morning is like, whatever, it's no big deal. It takes whatever, a few minutes. But at that time, I remember that being so much work, like so much work, like to feed the cat, to feed the dogs, to feed the bird. Like it was so much work. And my husband works really, really early. So he would leave for work way before like I was awake, way before baby was awake. And so I felt very alone, like trying to get myself ready and my son ready and the animals fed and like get us all out of the house in time to get to work. It just became, Mm -hmm. it was like a whole nother level of like postpartum depression, but it was like the rage version. Like Mm -hmm. I was just angry all the time and like going off on my husband all the time about feeling invalidated and unseen and Mm -hmm. all these things. And so I ended up in therapy then that was when I then was like, this is not working. Like I have to go, (laughs) I've Mm got to do something. And um, I worked with a therapist thing, wonderful experience. And it was through that work that I was able to work through some of my own stuff around workaholism and that maybe at this phase, 40 hours a week of work is not serving me or sustainable. And um, I made some tough choices and decided to shift out of treatment center work and into full-time private practice, which Mm -hmm. was absolutely the right choice because I don't have to work as much anymore. Yeah. 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 
um, I don't know what kind of treatment center it was, but most work in treatment centers yeah. is depleting anyways. If you've yes. got nothing else going on. Yeah, that's right. Even if you've got nothing else going on. It's intense work. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you're sleep deprived still. And there's the emotional pull, although the needs from like family is different from the needs of clients and treatment center yeah. work. Um, but it's still a pull mm-hmm. energetically anyways, and emotionally depending on the work and all this yeah. other stuff. So, mm-hmm. right. It's like depletion in a, in a different way. So yeah, the rage makes sense. Yeah. The rage was intense. Yeah. At yeah. what point rage did you intense. know like what you had gone through was the postpartum depression inside? Yeah. I really don't have a great answer for that. I can't remember when it started to realize what I had gone through. It was a while though. It was a while. And I, I really don't recall exactly, but it was probably sometime. I knew I started to feel really interested in working with once I started to feel better, <laughs> once I like worked through some of my stuff in therapy, my husband and I also went to couples counseling, which was extremely necessary and helpful. And that was really good too. So once those pieces started to really get supported and shift in these big ways, and I wasn't working you know, like all day, every day anymore. I started to find myself really interested in working with other moms, other new moms. Like I really found this just this is like passion, like just like begin to bloom. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I started looking into further training for working with, you know, postpartum families and people. And that was when I found postpartum support international. And that was when I found out about their, you know, training course to become Um, certified in perinatal mental health. And perhaps it was actually during the training of that. Perhaps it was during like the, you know, the, 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 yeah, (laughs) I think that might've been when I started to come around to like, oh my gosh, I had that. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I had intrusive Mm -hmm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. I had those experiences and I had no clue. Like, yeah, for sure. That happens a lot in those trainings, Yeah, Um, Yeah. which is great. And also part of what makes it so invaluable and also a little bit intense for some folks because you're seeing and hearing yourself. And for, I have to say though, I'm really glad to hear that you, you wanted to get more training for this and, and that training is available for it. Cause sometimes I'm just going to like give just a brief little soapbox here is that sometimes people don't get training and think that since they've been through something or that knows somebody who's been through something that they have adequate training. And it's just, you know, after going through the training, like, oh yeah, I needed this training. So I'm just, I'm just putting that plug in and really grateful that you sought out training. Yeah. Because it's it's so important. Okay. That was my soapbox. (laughs) No, thank you for saying that. I agree. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And so just putting a a time frame on it, it was well over um, a year it was probably um, 18 months after our COVID experience that I figured out that I had suffered from mm-hmm. postpartum depression. Yeah. So yeah. that's true for a lot of people. It is really, yeah. there's so much going on during that time that it's hard to know what's what, uh, especially if like most of us don't get any kind of training at, or yeah. any even mention of it um, when we're going through grad school or internships. And that's just, that's heartbreaking that, but yeah. it's true for a lot of people. So that's part of why it's hard to recognize because you don't, yeah. you don't know that it's a thing. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. after seeking out the the training and beginning to specialize, yeah. things 
started to make more sense for you? A lot more sense. Yeah. It was a very validating experience. Yeah. That's awesome. So now you're helping folks who are dealing with similar stuff. Yes, I am. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so meaningful and it really truly is just like the thing that gets me most I don't want to say excited doesn't feel like the right word because these, you know, these, (laughs) these moms are struggling. So I don't want to make it sound like that, but truly like, it's just sparking something so deep within me Mm -hmm. really taking like, you know, just these wounds that we have and like, they get to become our strengths when we, Mm -hmm. when we heal through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's important, you know, if you've gone through something similar, like, you know, that you can feel better now. Yeah. It's hard to know that when you're going through it. So it's, it's yeah. nice to be able to hold that hope for other people. Absolutely. Yes. That's such so well said. And now in terms of like, where are you now with just, you are in a second pregnancy and how, yeah. how did that, <laughs> how did that yeah. feel approaching this pregnancy? Absolutely. Yeah. And really holding that hope, I think is a big part of knowing that we can get through it, knowing we made it through it in hindsight, whereas at the time it felt absolutely impossible. Um, That has a lot to do with the choice to have another baby, have another postpartum experience, potentially have another really difficult postpartum experience. I hope not, but it's always possible. I'm definitely more prepared this time. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so my son was about to turn two and I, up until that point, had been like, I would like him to have a sibling. I'd like to have two children. And I'm definitely not ready yet, but that has been my experience. Um, I'd like to someday and Mm -hmm. definitely not right now. And then he was about to turn two and something really shifted in me. You know, at this point I was like doing some really great work with some, with some clients who were pregnant and postpartum. And I had really come, you know, there'd been so much time since my own experience and I'd learned so much about my experience. And it was sort of was like all of a sudden, like one day I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. Like, I think I'm ready. I think this is the time. And yeah, just really having so much more information and, you know, so much more preparation. I will seek medication this time if I have an experience like I did last time. Like I will like psychiatric medication. Like I will. I I absolutely will. Like I will be the first one to like determine that needs to happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have these like, you know, plans and these ideas and Karen Kleiman's books have been invaluable just in terms of how to prepare for a postpartum that isn't what you expect. And um, so, yeah, so now, so now we're expecting our second baby and super excited and this will complete our family. And yeah, just, I mean, just really the whole thing is so touching and, and, you know, just how far I think like I've come, how far, like my connection with my son has come. Nice. It's just really, it's just really beautiful. It's lovely just to know that, you know, healing and connection is still available and can still happen. And a lot of things can happen, even though you had a massive disruption to everything, to your whole life. Yeah, Um, that's right. And really scary experience. Um, Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people worry about that, being able to get that connection and you did and it can happen. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really speaks, I think, to the power of therapy and of, you know, getting support, even when it is scary or maybe shameful to, to have to do so. I know for me, I, it was invaluable. Absolutely is. Thank you for sharing your story, uh, sharing your experience. As you know, from hearing stories, how much hope that can give. 
and how much of ourselves we see reflected in other people, even if the experience wasn't exactly the same. I know that a lot of people went through these scary times during COVID and are possibly still trying to heal from it or put the pieces together. So your story, I'm sure will be an important part of that for a lot of people. Thank you so much. And for the opportunity to just get to share. Yeah. So glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Jackie, for sharing your story. And for those of you therapists that are out there listening and going through your own certification process, what I really love about healthcare professionals and helping professionals sharing their story is that it breaks down the additional stigma that there is that we carry as providers that somehow because we know enough, we shouldn't be suffering. And honestly, there are some things that we are just not trained on unless you become a specialist. So for those of you who are seeking help, I really encourage you to try and find somebody who has training in perinatal mental health, who has certification in perinatal mental health, because although there are a lot of well-meaning therapists out there, we don't all specialize in everything. It's just like any other healthcare provider, you would not go to a podiatrist if you have migraines. It's all healthcare conditions, but there are people who specialize in different things. So I really encourage you to find a perinatal mental health provider if you yourself need help. And I also encourage you to check out my website, wellmindperinatal.com courses, and look at the course list to see if there's anything in there that can support you on your journey to understand what you're going through and how you can feel better. All right. Thanks for being with me until next time. Please find the mom and mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at mom and mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.